Welcome to the inaugural edition of News Riot. I'm Guillotine, and uh, I am here with News Marks. And today we are going. Hello. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about. Uh, I think we got at least two topics. We might go into a third one, uh, and then we'll have uh, just kind of some light jokes at the end. I think, which will probably basically be how all these podcasts go, until we have segments and get really big, and then have like sponsors and crap you won't want to hear mixed in with it. <laughs> just kidding listen we'll be amateurs forever we'll never go go pro in all likelihood yes uh, <laughs> yeah um all right so uh, you want to do yours first or you want, want to do mine first uh any, any preference let's go with um yours because it's a hot Hot button, hot trending topic on uh, on lefty Twitter right now. So right, that's, uh, so it, it, the, all right. So what I want to talk about today is is I think basically we've got a couple of different ways that you can look at uh, what this upcoming election uh, represents in terms of whether or not our democracy is salvageable, whether or not democracy actually works, whether it's worth voting or not, uh, things of that nature. I, I think that you can boil down all of the views into basically four buckets. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, one of the buckets doesn't even really merit discussion because this is a leftist podcast, right? So we're not, we're, it's not like we're going to get deep into the weeds on what it means to be a Trump supporter, but there, there is that one bucket over there of, the, yeah. you know, you, for whatever various bag of reasons they all have, uh, they, that's where they ended up. Who cares? Uh, you, I, I don't know if you can even save those people or if it's worth trying to understand why a good many of them, if not all of them, vote for the way that, uh, the way that they do. Uh, from personal experience, uh, more often than not, uh, you know, you, you can hate on Hillary Clinton for calling them deplorables, but I'm from the South and I'm surrounded by deplorables down here. Um, there's, there's an undertone of racism, if not outright racist bigotry uh, that forms their opinions. Uh, so, I, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a bucket, right? Um, and then I think you've got three other buckets and those, those merit more discussion, right? Uh, I, I think one of those, those buckets is the, the neoliberal. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and then the, the other two buckets, I would say, are. I, I would divide it like this. I would say there's there's the third party people and then there's everybody else. Um, yeah, because the third party people, I think they they still seem to, to have an idea that. Either the current democracy is worth saving or at the very least uh, participating in the democracy is worth doing uh, and, and then everybody else doesn't uh, this is this might get me a lot of uh this might let's how, how how we how do we put it this might kill my mentions um but i think honestly at this point the with the current crop of third parties that we are looking at and uh, the realistic outcome of the election potential outcomes of the of the elections i 
strongly feel like the third party is mainly mainly just a signifier, just a a middle finger to the Democratic Party for screwing Bernie or signifying preference for certain kinds of politics or policies. Uh, but a generally empty and generally without any real material impact on the world signifier basically that that's my my conclusion on um, on the third party folks well okay uh it, it, i've only got two clips for you today and you know, there's uh one of them speaks towards that that particular group i i think mm -hmm. it's it's sort of emblematic of where they're coming from with their perspective. So I'm going to play you uh, Lawrence O'Donnell talking about sort of why you should vote for a third party, right? If you want to pull the party, the major party, that is closest to the way you're thinking, to what you're thinking, you must, you must show them that you're capable of not voting for them. So what do you think about that? I think his his logic is absolutely sound. Uh, I, I I agree with him that you have to demonstrate your worth to um, uh, to the party. But there's one assumption that he's making, and that's uh, and something that I think he's he's missing is that a it's uh, not in them uh, in the Democratic Party. It's not in their material interests. Um, they don't represent the same material in interests as as the working class and and, and leftists on the um, uh, socialists, etc. Um, all of us. Um, they represent competing and, and and conflicting material interests. So, so your perspective is it might not work anyway. Yes, uh, even if that's he is exactly right. That's we not already where I have. But that's that's an interesting perspective. But let's let's table that for one second, so that we we can we can come back around to it when we start okay. talking about uh, the neoliberal perspective. But yeah, let let's assume, just for the sake of argument, that he's correct. Let's say that they can mm -hmm. be brought around. All right, and maybe yeah. maybe for some people this is that's ridiculous. But let let's assume that that there is something to it. If what he's saying is you have to prove that you won't vote for them, I think he's he's off insofar as that just not voting at all uh, isn't going to prove that you would vote for them otherwise. Uh, that's which is why I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. You have to you have to show that you are capable of showing up and willing to show up uh, that you're not a kind of because there's a hundred million people that they've already given up on um, that they never bothered to um, to appeal to. So you do need to show that yes, you turned up, you, you and you actively rejected their offering. So that makes sense. I agree with you. So um, that, you know, ultimately, what I'm I'm saying is is if you agree with Lawrence O'Donnell, then you it's not it, then you have to to go further than he does. You, you can't just say, well, let's just not show up and claim that we would have voted if they had better policies. There's no way to track yeah. that. You know, if, yeah. if, if, uh, if 50 million people, I don't, I don't care, whatever number you want to pull out of your, your hat, uh, don't show up, uh, it's not as though 
you know, they're all logging onto some website somewhere and saying, mm-hmm. you know, record my vote here. And, you know, it, it, that's what the third party voting is for. Uh, so in theory, yeah. Yeah. If you believe that the system can work, then you have to participate in it, not under the illusion that your candidate is going to win, but as a, a, as a sign to uh, the party closest to what you think, as he would put it, uh, that you are a, a person who is still involved and cares enough to actually show up. Otherwise, why would they care? Why would they care about your vote? Exactly. You know, first of all, there is the um, uh, a, a lot of I, I know a lot of it online, lots of it, uh, kind of back and forth with uh, uh, with you know liberals and and whatever is when they're they're all trying to you know oh, the Jill Stein voters gave us whatever whatever, and most of the um, the replies are you know well. So and so number of people voted for X, and so and so blah blah blah, and basically trying to deflect the blame. Um, but the point is, if if you're actively trying to pursue that as a strategy, if you're actively trying to say that here we are here and we are a force to be reckoned with, and you must reckon with us, if if that's the purpose of of your vote for for third party, then you have to actively put up that flag that yes, it is our fault that you lost. We are the reason that you lost. Our rejection of you is the reason you lost. And therefore, you must work to gain our acceptance of you. And that's the point. So we have to be, we, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, you want to not be blamed for a bad thing happening. Well, the root of it is on the left. Yeah, I mean, everyone on the left generally, even if we try to, you know, um, if we try to to play on Twitter or whatever, everyone on the left generally believes that. Um, Donald Trump being elected, um, you know, a right-wing person being elected is bad. Just on the whole, bad. A bad thing, because they will do bad things. They will do bad policies and actions and things and and do things that are bad, and that will hurt people. And so your natural tendency, natural knee-jerk is, no, no, it's not our fault. You didn't do this, you didn't do that, and blah, 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 and those other people, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, you would have lost anyway and this and that. But at the end of the day, if we're, if we're trying to act as a, as a, as a power, power base, then we have to say, yes, we do have that power. We, we do have that power to swing an election. Other, otherwise, the alternative is you end up with this other perspective um, as uh, – <laughs> as, um, so eloquently put by uh, by Bill Maher uh, um, yesterday. I'll play this other clip. Yeah. How different it all could have been. Not to relitigate old wounds, but all the Hillary equivocators from 2016, the people who said she was racist, not really that different from Trump, 
the ones who voted third party, the ones who stayed home because, you know, the lesser of two evils. Sorry, but you all have to eat it one more time. As he says that, Bakari Sellers is sitting next to him like, oh, God, I don't want to clap for that, but all right, I'm kind of <laughs> clapping. Like this really gross Bakari set out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the man gets applause from his neoliberal fan base uh, and the applause sign starts flashing. Um, you know, it's, um, it's not an uncommon perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. that the lesser of two evils uh, argument uh, is um, uh, you know, maybe maybe faulty insofar as we ought to be picking the thing that in the short term is going to give us the slightly better result. I guess is is, is the way that argument is understood by people who accept it. Um, yeah, I think this is where we go back to the reaction. Um, of once, like, we can, in our minds, you know, decide to vote third party for whatever reason that we want. Like I was mentioning earlier, I was saying earlier the whole signifier thing and it's an empty signifier or whatever, whatever. But whatever intention we have in our heads and we go and vote for third party, once the thing happens, i.e. they lose, their response is we have to figure out how to predict what their response is going to be and how they're going to portray their, uh, their loss um, and how they're going to. And this is where their material you know, conditions come, come into it. They have a giant megaphone. They have the money. The money and capital is on their side. And so... Whatever they want to want the narrative to be is going to be the narrative. So the narrative is going to be, um, you know, the people that didn't vote were uh, purists and 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 you know, privileged bros and and cranks and this and that and the other. And it was, um, you know, they couldn't see. The greater good and blah blah blah, and they they were silly and and all of that kind of all of that kind of thing, because they control the narrative, they control the media, they control the megaphone, and we don't. So so in that segment, Bill went on to say that uh, if you uh, in the world in which uh, the Republicans are are reelected because so many of us didn't show up, uh, that we should uh, all be prepared to name our our rape babies Jill Stein. Stay classy, Bill. Um, but it, it encapsulates what what their their point of view is, and if and the basis of that point of view is that they're still living in a society in which democracy is, or what they call democracy, we should say, is worth participating in. Uh, and even if they recognize that the Somewhere deep inside of them, I think even Bill Moore recognizes that our democracy is broken um, yeah. and that this isn't really um, a, a true democracy, but it is a, a quote, two-party system. Um, 
and if if you if you accept that you're living in a two-party system and if you accept that there is no changing the, uh, that you are in a two-party system if, if you accept that that is the way it is and that is the only way that it can be uh in in your mind because that's what they think you should believe if if you accept that then you're what you're doing is you're playing a very very short game like they are uh, so if you look, it, it's a, it's a consistent perspective, right? So Bill Maher is old, right? He's, yeah. he's getting up there in age and neoliberals. And B- Bill Maher is a dick. Yeah, totally. But, Who thinks being a dick uh, is some kind of, you know, edgy, you know, risque comedy or, or whatever, but. It's age. We don't privilege. even have to. We don't even have to overanalyze Bill Maher. He's he's a rich dick, very very insulated from any material impact of any aspect of politics. Yeah, yeah. Fuck him as a person. But like the the, the point is, it's the people who believe this on the wider scale. Uh, it's age and it's privilege. Yeah. Uh, and if you if you're coming at it from that perspective. Having a short-term uh, outlook on things makes sense. If you're really fucking old and you're going to you know, drop dead within the next 10 or 20 years, why are you fighting for what's going to be the future in 40 or 50 years? It, exactly. You're not going to be living in it. You know? And uh, it, it, there's some underlying hypocrisy built into that. Or if you're, if you're living a very privileged life, um, okay, there's kids in cages at the border. Doesn't affect me. Uh, you know, it, it, so many kinds of things like that you can brush off. Race relations, uh, you know, a, a lot of things that, uh, you know, anything that's, that's so-called identity politics in which you're not the identity in question, you, you can brush it off because you're privileged enough position to, uh, to be able to do, to do that. Uh, and so I think that that's where a lot of those folks, if not the majority of them, are coming from is this short-term outlook. Now, if you contrast that yeah. to the leftists, we're looking at it from a much more long-term perspective, right? Because uh, I, I think if you have those two other buckets, right, you've got the Lawrence O'Donnell types who say, let's still participate uh, and try to, to pull these folks closer to us. And maybe we can kind of, you know, Bernie Sanders style, get in there and do some change. I, I think that's proven out to be... Uh, unworkable in practice. Um, and then there's this other group, though. And it's, it's that other group that's really interesting to me. Because if you if you say, oh, well, n- none of this is actually going to work, if that's your perspective, you look at it and say, democracy's long since been broken. You can't actually fix it by either of these methods. Uh, and we're not going to lay down and, and, and die like Bill Maher and all those folks, you know, because we actually have something we want to fight for. Whereas they don't, but like our our concerns are legitimate. We want to have you know, a, a living wage. We don't want the planet to burn down, uh, etc. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing. Um, here's the thing. In in America, the politics have been completely, completely. Uh, airbrushed uh, or kind of disconnected from the real world, let's say. Everything is a 
uh, arm's length, uh, commercialized, um, consumer choice, market transaction in a uh, in a duopoly. They, it's Coke and Pepsi. Coke and Pepsi, that's what you have. You either buy one or you buy the other, and, and, and that's it. And, and that's why it, when you try to kind of anything that, that, uh, anything that gets pitched, basically the ad that they put forward, we're the progressive party, we're the liberal party, we look after women and, and immigrants and brown people and black people and, you know, blah, 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 and, the, uh, and all that. As soon as you try to uh, crack through, those of us leftists who crack through that and try and reconnect that, uh, that you know, cable from the real world or whatever, that, that rope from the real world, and reconnect them and drag drag it back to real world and actual effects. You figure out that most of what they're selling is bullshit. Most of what they said in their ad is bullshit. And ultimately, it's just ninety percent of the same bullshit that the other um, uh, choices is is offering. And it's generally just a brand preference that you're supposed to make. These are the good guys. These are the bad guys. And the and on the other side, the 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 Republicans do exactly the same thing. Those are the bad guys. These are we're the good guys. Sure. And, and they sure. have their polarization. Yeah. And uh, and ultimately, what changes? They sell their. Um, they they you know they they have mix of, you know. Uh, positive cultural t touchstones uh, and, and and kind of brand uh, catchphrases and 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 strap lines um, on on the left. It's uh, you know re reproductive rights and and pro choice and uh, and whatever. And then lately, it's, it's the Supreme Court for that very reason. The fear factor. No, but th then they have the fear factor of. Oh, they, the other side, if you don't buy this, the other side are going to take that away from you and ban abortion. And exactly identical mechanics on the other side, they do exactly the same thing. We have a positive cultural touchstone. You love guns and hunting and, and being a man and this and that. The others, and then the fear comes in, oh, the other side's going to take it away from you. So you better you know choose us. And so much of that and, is, is pure bullshit. And, and let me... And, yeah. The, the liberals are never going to, Democrats are never going to ban guns. And the, uh, um, uh, the GOP is never going to ban abortion. Because I, I don't those know. are the two things. No, they, they'll, they'll throw in things on a, um, uh, on a state level to do, because on a state level, it's, it's a different and whatever. I'm talking about on the federal, um, on, on the federal level. Sure. It's um, it's too important for them. They could have done it already. They they got conservative court. They could easily have put it, uh, um, done the uh, banned abortion already. I they don't didn't. know about that. that. They had a triple lock on the. Um, uh, they had the House. They had the Senate. They had uh, the presidency. They could have legislated 
abortion. There's, uh, there's uh, long, abortion. Th yeah, but it's it's a Supreme Court decision, and they would have to again, they can legislate around it. Same with the um, uh, back in the Obama days, you had the I think um, you, you probably know the intricacies more, but there was a court case that uh, the Democrats lost, and um, they were able to just then um legislate around it and get the same result anyway and which was the lily ledbetter act yes so that's what i'm saying if if they really wanted to if if they really wanted to they could have done it lily ledbetter act refers to equal pay um and and that's 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 a can of worms I don't want to open up right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm not talking way, about the specifics of it. I'm talking about they they that was a that was a situation where they got knocked back at the Supreme Court and they were able to put it through Congress instead, and um, uh, uh, and so they were able to legislate around. And that's, that's um, true, and, and that's something. That's something, and I, that's I'll the enshrinement of a, hold on. That's the enshrinement of a right, though. So that's not. That's not taking away something that the Constitution already protects. That's adding a protection that the Constitution didn't already provide. Uh, so there's, there's a bit of nuance in, in that. Um, when you're looking at it on the abortion, as far as abortion is concerned, um, that it comes down to Roe v. Wade, and then it's a matter of overturning it. And to overturn it, sure, you can legislate new laws, that say you can do a federal trap law. You can. They, they could have done a federal trap law. The way that. they do trap laws. So the, the everything that's ha been happening at a state level has been basically trap laws. What they call trap laws. So they do things like, uh, even though there's Roe v. Wade, um, they they, you know, they play games and at the state level they pass. Like I said, they legislate around it. So they'll say, you know. Um, if you want to have an abortion clinic, the doctor at the at the clinic has to have admitting privileges at, at the nearest hospital. And the nearest hospital will be some, you know, uh, which is common in this country, some Catholic chain of um, of hospitals. And they might decide because they're a private hospital, they're not obliged to give uh, privileges to any uh, particular doctor that hospital decides, no, we're not going to give you uh, privileges. And de facto, rather than de jure or whatever, to, uh, uh, to use one of your uh, terminologies, um, uh, de facto, you shut down that abortion clinic because uh, they, yeah. they, they don't have a, uh, they don't have a uh, doctor that can... Um, that, that's dealt with in, in a case called Women's Health v. Hellerstedt in 2016. That's... Um, you... It doesn't stop all the trap laws, but they can't be what's called an undue burden on women seeking an abortion. Yeah, and so. and they, you know, if that is, we know what kind of world we're in. If they wanted to, they could call anything undue or not undue, how whenever they felt like. It depends on who's constr you know? construing what's undue and what's not. I'm yeah. just saying it was a of course. It, that's it, what I'm saying. Well, no, there's on, there's no on. there's no definitive like hard line two plus two. It was, two a, equals it was four a republic. Thing. The point though is that it was a Republican court in 2016 that 
that said something that was undue is in fact undue. It was a 5-3 decision. Uh, you know, it, it's not quite as easy as you're making it out to be uh, that they would that they could uh, uh, flip flip the the tables on on Roe v. Wade. But so that um, that case that you mentioned, right? Yeah. That was a that was a conservative court, right? Yeah. So they could have, uh, if they wanted to, they could have um, uh, made the opposite decision, right? Which would be the more the the more conservative decision. And they didn't. So they, I guess that goes to your original point. Yeah. That, thank you. We in this country, capitalists. The, the ruling class have decided that there are things, certain things that we're allowed to argue about in politics. And there are certain things that we're not. We're not allowed to mention socialism or, you know, communism or anything like that. That's way, way, way beyond the pale and, uh, and that sort of thing. We're not allowed to, you know, uh, various things to, uh, that will cut into the material interests of of the ruling class. We're not allowed to fight about any of that. But we're allowed to fight about abortion. We're allowed to fight about guns. Those are the things that we're allowed to fight about. And religion. I think you and I basically agree on this point. Yeah. But I, I had another an, another reason queued up that uh, I, I think supersedes all of these. Um, and, and that is that, I mean, let, let, me, let me give you a little history quiz, right? So this is our first episode. Viewers don't know you're you're originally from from England, right? Yes. Um, so, I, how long you been here, by the way? Uh, almost five years. All right. So, um, I, I this is going to be a, a quiz for you. Let's see. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's see how well you you know ancient American history. Um, how, how many Supreme Court justices do you, justices do you think we started off with? No idea. I don't know what you started off with, but I know that there's been different numbers at different times. There's been seven and eight and various different numbers. Yeah. So it started with six. All right. Cool. Uh, and the reason I think that they started with an even number was back uh, in when the nation was first founded, we were hoping not to have two, a two-party system. Uh, the people yeah. who started the country, specifically George Washington, uh, said you know he was opposed to um, to the idea of a two party system. In fact, mm -hmm. um, I've got a quote queued up for you. This is George Washington: "The alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most hor horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism." Um, and his his successor, John Adams said, a division of the republic into two great parties is to be dreaded as the great political evil. Um, most of the original um, founders of the country agreed that we didn't want to have a two-party system. But it was, uh, it was like the, the Jefferson people that ended up winning out, and we ended up having a two-party system. Back then, though, when, when the Constitution was written, you could have six justices because they might all come down different ways, right? Yeah. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't be polarized um, because it's not. It won't be a conservative justice will just decide on the conservative side and whatever. They'll they'll do some lawyering and um, 
uh, they'll do it based on law, right? So it, right, uh, and it, eventually we we moved it up to seven, and that was in 1807. Uh, and then when a different party came into power, we changed it to nine. That was in 1837. And then it got moved up to 10 Supreme Court justices in 1863. That's more than we have now. Um, and at one point, uh, you, would, you would never, I don't, I don't think you would ever see this nowadays, but at one point, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court wanted to limit the power of Andrew Johnson, a, a notoriously corrupt president. Uh, and, and he said, hey, Congress, you guys should pass an act that uh, says we're not going to replace three of these justices when they croak. And I said, all right. And they did it. <laughs> so then, they, then it got knocked back down again. Um, and then it got raised back up again in, in 69, they, or not, 1869. They, they moved it back up to nine. So it hasn't been screwed with since 1869, but there's nothing stopping you. That's the thing. It's not enshrined yeah. in the Constitution how many of these, these judges you have to have. So when you hear, hear neoliberals uh, running around saying, oh, this is the, such an important decision because of the Supreme Court and all of these constitutional crisis issues are, are going to be relitigated, like the, the abortion, the guns, and all that. You know, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, okay, maybe for four years they will be, but you got to realize, I don't care how, much, how many Supreme Court justices you have in there uh, that are Republican, because in f another four years, you get a Democrat in there, uh, and a Democratic House and Senate, and you can push through a bill that says, okay, now the Supreme Court has uh, 13 members or, or 17 yep. members or 107 members. It, it doesn't matter. You can have as many as you want. There's no constitutional limitation. Uh, mm. So all, all of that's a bunch of bullshit, just for that one, one very good reason, I feel like. Uh, issues aside, just, it's just the functionality of the way that the uh, Supreme Court works. Uh, I think I'm going to try and tie it back to what we were talking about, third parties again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like what he's saying, uh, Washington and Adams and, and all that about parties, about especially about two parties. That's great. We shouldn't have two parties. We should have however many parties that, um, you know, that we uh, we need or or people want, um, and that's um, that's definitely something. More uh, more options and more um, things are, are are great. Here's a scary well, thing, though. It, do you you know we didn't always have just two parties. Uh, the the last time. No, 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 I know. Let, let me we, just. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. No, I just wanted to finish off. The point is not the number of parties or whether you have two or whether you have um, uh, three or four or five, whatever. The point is we have to, as, as Marxists, as, as, as socialists, we, uh, we have to interpret what um, the, these quotes slightly differently. We, we understand that there is a very real division and a conflict of interests that exists within a capitalist society. The capitalists are opposed to the interests of the working class and to, to labor. And labor's interests are opposed to the interests of the capitalists. And so 
trying to talk about the idea of factions not not crushing the other faction and you know that that kind of making the argument in that way is is a very kind of liberal centrism kind of argument that let's all come together and compromise and talk to each other and negotiate and blah 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 um uh, and everything the point is who do we have any representation within the electoral space for the interests of labor do we have any representation for the interests of the working class and the workers what that could be in the form of five parties that could be in the form of one party but the 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 real thing to be concerned about and and to want and to aim for is the advocacy and the 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 push in in these institutions the the kind of tools within these institutions to be able to push for and fight for the interests of the of the working class of labor yes that's as as socialists and marxists that's the point of electoralism and and anything that we do within the electoral space and and in that with that mindset it really doesn't matter whether there's two parties or three parties or five parties because you ultimately could have a situation where you have 10 different parties and they're all some different variety and brand of 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 liberal or some kind of faction some kind of offshoot and and whatever you know they some all drawing votes from each other though yeah and, and some some trots and whatever and eventually you have to do some kind of uh, coalition government which yeah that's great and everything but you might end up with a you know center right coalition like you end up in in germany and have some you know liberal technocracy central right technocracy oh, wouldn't that be great but see the the thing about uh, i mean compared to the 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 how hard right the us is yeah um, you know great but we don't have proportional representation here by party oh well, that's yeah that's that's also great. yeah yeah but uh, uh, yeah i'm i'm saying to bring it back to what we were talking about about voting third party voting you know whether it's anything when we're making the decision of whether or not to vote that party so the co- question is far too much attention and money and time and effort is devoted to the presidential election and it's the same with the uh the media and and everything and and all that but also with the current crop of third parties that we have the green party does nothing in the four years between presidential elections and then turns up to try and run for president and honestly it doesn't seem like they have any kind of coherent kind of rooted in the working class and the labor movement kind of kind of the ugly side of 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 a movement of a kind of the gears of of the working class and and you know that kind of thing it it seems it to me it's it's an empty shell who turns up at the time when there's coke and pepsi are are, are doing their ads and you know some independent random 
company just shows up to be like, hey, you know what? Screw those establishment people. Why don't you get some RC cola or, or you know, um, green party cola or, or whatever instead? Mm. And, and, and ultimately, like, what is the point of, of what we're trying to do? Are we trying to, because there's never going to, you know, the Green Party is not going to win the election. Well, and that, that takes us back to Lawrence O'Donnell, though. And, and I, yeah. I, I think that, you know, in, just as much as voting doesn't work for voting for, for either the Republicans or the Democrats, that doesn't work. I, I think not voting doesn't work either. Yeah. So it, that, I don't see the Green Party or uh, even necessarily with this new People's Party movement, which I like a lot better than the Green Party. But I don't really see them as any of these third parties as uh, I like to, as uh, as something that that should necessarily we should hope it's going to win and it's going to yeah. go forward and change the thing. I think it's there to serve as a benchmark for pulling the Democrats back to the left because right yeah. now they're they're basically. I mean, Joe Biden's a Republican. Yeah, everybody knows yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, we, we invite uh, the, the uh, Democrats invited. A hundred uh, Republicans to their convention. It's a Republican convention. Like this, this wasn't. This isn't even really a real presidential election. This looks more to me like a Republican. They're party bragging nominating. about the guy who poisoned Flint, who poisoned black children, and th- this guy and this party is out there bragging about how he's endorsed Joe Biden, and I find that disgusting. I like. If I was just to think, do I want to be in this? They call themselves Big Tent, whatever. I don't want to be in the in the same tent as 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 the guy who poisoned Flint. That's I not me. That the, the, you know, the, uh, I feel viscerally disgusted by you know the Kissingers and the and the Schneiders and the and the the monsters from the Bush administration and all the national security assholes that um uh that are some like 500 of assholes uh, oh yeah not not too long ago we're talking about susan rice for vice president yeah and and honestly that's to me that's that's viscerally disgusting and so if we if we bring it back to like okay this election it really doesn't matter what we do like it's Probably okay. you're in the fourth bucket. All right. I, I'm I'm gonna ask you this question. Are you if people are, want to vote green, they can vote green. If people want to vote for Biden, they can vote for Biden. If they want to, you know, write in somebody, they can write in somebody. Do whatever the hell you want. Or if they don't want to show up, they don't want to show up. Are yeah, you because honestly, if they don't want to show up, then I, I'd personally I would prefer that I'll probably put that as the last option because I would personally prefer that they at least show up and just like, you know, find some good people down ballot and, uh, uh, and whatever. All right. So really um, you're in with the Lawrence O'Donnell folks then. Yeah, like let's at least like keep a record that, Hey, we, we don't like you, but we do show up. Uh, yes. We are people who show up and, and, you know, just, just for posterity's sake, this is my official middle finger to you. In insofar as I'm voting for this asshole, I don't even necessarily like Howie Hawkins. Or but do not expect your your actions here in this particular ex- election to have any kind of impact whatsoever. I, I have I have zero 
expectation of any action, whether voting for Biden or not voting for Biden, or you know, showing up and being counted as not voting for Biden and, and whatever. In this particular election, in this specific case, I don't think it's anything is going to come of it. Because you might be I, right just because Trump probably won't cede power, but that's a whole well, even if even if let's say let's say the smoothest and the kind of the nicest or whatever thing happens, right? Joe Biden wins, Trump's a pussy because he is ultimately, and you know, the military and the banks and whatever don't really want to fuck things up. Like they don't really want to collapse like the country and whatever. So you know the the real power, the cap capital and and you know all of that. If it was Bernie versus Trump, and then you could think, ah, maybe, you know, maybe capital thinks, you know what, fuck it, let's do a coup. And uh, we can't have this socialist in there. Uh, but there, no establishment, no established power is threatened by Biden. So they, they, are, they will be absolutely perfectly happy to go along and, and to fall in with Biden and 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 you know tell right. Trump to to piss off that, when that the time comes that that gets me to the the final bucket which we need to explore a, in a little bit more detail all right mm -hmm. uh, and because where I think we're coming up on on time where probably we ought to switch off to your topic but before we do I've I've got to get drill into this last little bit of it what you're talking around essentially is you know we we've we've so far been analyzing this problem in uh insofar as we're discussing it as a two-party dynamic in in reality uh, in my view at least this is not a two-party system it's a one-party system I, yes. I i think that that the last time we we really had any well i mean historically the last time we had any number of of uh, more than two parties, I'll ju just for posterity's sake, I've got to go back and, and say this. In 1860, when Abraham Lincoln was, uh, was elected, everybody wants to talk about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. You hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. John, John McCain would be like, I really want to have a Lincoln-Douglas debate. You know, like, <laughs> like, like okay, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to say because when you, when you break it down like that and you only talk about Lincoln and Douglas, you forget that there were two other candidates who won more electoral votes than than Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas got twelve electoral mm -hmm. votes. John Bell got thirty nine. John Breckinridge got seventy two. Uh, you know, yeah. If you and and Lincoln got got one hundred and eighty, so he won. But and Stephen Douglas, you know, he got uh, a, about uh, one point three million of the popular vote. So people look at him as the second place finisher, right? Because uh, Lincoln got 1.8 or 1.9 uh, and, and Breckenridge and, and Bell got less than Douglas. But that doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's the electoral college that decides these things. Mm -hmm. so, so actually Stephen Douglas came in fourth place. Um, but that was the last time we actually had uh, more than two parties running in, in like, uh, in any real sense, and what did we get out of it? A civil war. Uh, but <laughs> so you know, these days though, all of the power has consolidated into money. After you have 
you know, Citizens United and the, the decision, well, really, you go back to Buckley and Vivaleo in the 70s. Yeah, uh, that was the, the deciding, that was really the, the, the tipping point. And, and then Citizens United was like the final nail in the coffin. Uh, it, all, it doesn't matter really uh, who you're running in party A or party B when they're both sock puppets on two different hands of the same body. Uh, it, it's all just a one-party system at this point. Nobody in big business cares who, if it's Trump or Biden who wins. This, they might, for you know, just to shake people out of the stock market, dip the market on election day, uh, and for another month or two, so that they can gather up more of the stocks and consolidate their money monetary position even further. Uh, but Jeff Bezos is going to come out of that as a trillionaire. Uh, if he doesn't mm-hmm. get there before the election, and you know, if you add up all these billionaires, these like hundred and 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 seventy something billionaires we have in America, you've already got trillions of dollars that are yep. are, are lined up against the working class, and, and that goes back to your point about labor unions and and so forth. If you're in this fourth bucket over here, you've got to figure out how to stand up to trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that is a huge question right now is, is if, if you're not in that subset of leftists who are like, we can somehow do this with a third party and, and I mean, you know, more, more power to you, but I don't think that's the answer. I, what is the answer? Because we've got all these different points of view over here in this fourth bucket and we've got all these ideas we've got. Is is labor by itself going to do it? No. Is a general strike going to do it? No, because we're, we're. None of us have any any money right now, anyway, uh, and most of yeah. us have to work to live. Uh, exactly. So how how long are you gonna, you know, put up your uh, the health of your own body and your family uh, against trillions of dollars? That's, that doesn't work. It's not like we're operating on a level playing field. So the, the general strike is not a solution in and of itself. Um, is protesting a solution in and of itself? Probably not. Uh, is burning shit down a solution in and of itself? I mean, maybe if you took it to a real extreme, but I don't think we're, you know, we have the uh, power. Even that, that, it's unless um, it's unless it's organized and and there's a there's a there's an organized front of of you know collective action and and you know uh, connected action. Even that, even random burning things down, you maybe, maybe, maybe do something where, you know, a thousand people in a city do do a bunch of stuff and get the city to change something, maybe. And we don't have, look, we, this country has 7% union density or whatever. Um, we have... Well, uh, even the existing at some point that that'll be that'll yeah be we should and the unions are depoliticized they're not they're they're very conservative unions um you know they're, they're scared to death um they're very weak a lot of them are very kind of calcified and 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 terrible and they have no kind of rank and file action or strategy or anything like that it's just you know a couple of you know people at the top and whatever that make all the, you know, make deals with the, with the management and, and that's it. So we don't have the numbers. 
we don't have the numbers for for a revolution. We don't have the numbers for you know a general strike. The people online on Twitter or whatever love to say, oh yeah, you know, the, the, like. They're showing people that are voting for Biden, which is like, okay, yeah, I hate Biden, you know, fuck him, I'm, you know, if I was a citizen right now, I wouldn't be voting for um, uh, for Biden. But this, and 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 their alternative is, hey, you know what, you should be organizing a general strike instead. There is literally no way for someone to organize a general strike in America in the next. 40-odd whatever days. There's, it's, it's materially and, you know, physically impossible because the, 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 the capital has spent, you know, 40 years atomizing us, alienating us, crushing us, oppressing us, destroying unions, destroying the... Um, uh, connectivity of workers and and solidarity among them and and connectedness and kind of made a whole chunk of America into gig workers and and all of that and just basically hived us off into into individuals and and, and whatever with no sense of of collective identity or anything like that. You it, where where are you going to organize a general strike from? How are you going to, uh, you don't have, uh, the, the, the closest possibility is teach, a teacher's union, maybe? Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's one tiny fragment of the population. Yeah, and, and, and um, ultimately, what are you going to, uh, you know. How, how much do they really care the, about our kids when they're sending the kids to, exactly. the, to school the, during the COVID? Might, they're getting them all killed. That might they don't work care. Is, yeah, airline union, maybe. But honestly, the the airline union aren't uh, anywhere near as militant as what would be required because they're they're probably the airline union. A, a um, lot of this, the, the union discussion has, in, in a lot of ways, uh, I think, misunderstands what the allowable purposes are of a union to go on strike legally yeah. uh, in this country. I mean, it, I, I think you can I mean, go on strike for your own benefit. And then it's, you I can't think, do sympathy strikes. You can't do unless you do a wildcat and whatever else and this and that. Um, no, no, I know the legal position. I'm, I'm saying if it's going to be a general strike, then most of the action is going to be probably illegal. And um, uh, but what I'm saying is, do is there a labor chunk? Is there a chunk of labor, an organized chunk of labor, which most likely would be a union? that is militant enough to be the vanguard of that general strike? And my answer is a giant, big, fat, emphatic no. There is no union in this country that is militant enough to be the, the tip of the spear, the vanguard of a general strike. I concur. Um, and so, so we can move on to your topic. I, I think... Um, there, there has to be a solution. I don't want to end this on a, on a downer note. I don't want, to, don't want to seem overly pessimistic. I don't think the answer is voting, though. I don't think the answer is legitimacy of the system. Uh, I, I don't think that 
that uh, the answer is any particular thing in the fourth bucket. I think yeah. if you if you take a whole lot of things in the fourth bucket and you center it around one common goal, you might get there. But the goal is distasteful. The, the goal is not easily recognized. Uh, the goal is something that I think to a lot of leftists seems counterintuitive uh, and disgusting. And that goal has to be to have more money than the other side. Because you can't change the system or not, not without having have more money, but control more money. As in control more uh, economic levers. And, and that is going to come from an organized labor force and a milita militant politicized labor force. And the only way that's going to happen is the last time it happened was... You know, there was a giant communist party in the in the U.S. after the Great Depression. They organized the unemployed and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And and they were, you know, a core militant element yeah. within I, within the unions. You, you and, need and to like, own your own news station. All right. Yeah. You, you need to socialist to, newspapers and to have and enough money that you you can outspend the republicans and the democrats combined on a 2 to 1 factor that that's how you get somebody elected if you want to use the elections to do it if you don't then you know by all means go up go form your communist army or whatever but most of the people who support something like that are a bunch of larpers who never you know fucking leave their apartment much less own a weapon um, it, it, no, but re realistically, you might, first of all, you might be able to get, we're all like everywhere. We, the only place we congregate is, is Twitter and we're all, all over the place. We're going to get together and maybe get what hundred people together. I mean, I, I've seen some pretty big groups, but they're, you know, it, it, it it's not like. I mean, I, I don't think that this really deserves the level of analysis that we could yeah. give it, but I will say this just to kind of cut off that avenue so that we don't go down that rabbit hole. Look at the size of and the funding for the United States military. Yes. Give me a fucking break. That is, that's mm -hmm. not a real discussion. Like, if you want to have a, a real discussion about that, you have to have a real discussion about money first because mm -hmm. we are unfunded we don't have people uh, that, that we can just hand a bunch of money and say okay go spin this on a fucking militia that that's not how this this works um yeah you know, and i think if we're going to consolidate money into power we should start using it for like more legitimate means Let, let's take advantage of the freedom of speech Let's take the advantage, take advantage of all the, the various levels of, of freedom and the different kinds of things that we have uh, available to us in this country before we go down that road. Uh, th th we might see something out of it before. Again, coordination. We need we right. you know we can make a million podcasts and, and whatever, but we need coordination. We need to coordinate the and connect the uh, the the media with the um uh with with the the workers movement the labor movement and we need to you know feed each other and be fed by each other and and that sort of thing so you know i'll i'll close off on this um on a positive note i liked 
I watch the uh, People's Convention or whatever. I liked a good, you know, decent chunk of it. I liked had... everything except that one Yang guy. <laughs> that was it. I that, mean, that yeah, was one point where I was like, ah. there was there was like a third of it that I didn't like. Really? Um, uh, there was a good solid chunk where they had the um, uh, the organizer from Amazon, Chris Smalls. They had a couple of other people from um, that were union leaders and uh, and things like that. And uh you know they talked a lot about the working class and 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 working people working families etc but they're a lot of their rhetoric and this comes from partly because i think who has the person who has founded it and and who's the driving force behind it and and whatever is a unconnected quote-unquote progressive True progressive, real progressive, whatever. And what we need to have is if the People's Party is going to go anywhere, it needs to be explicitly working class and explicitly anti-capitalist. Because we already have two capitalist parties and we need to be the if they're going to do a new party if they're going to do a new thing whatever it needs to be explicitly rooted in the labor movement and explicitly anti-capitalist i agree and with that. i i didn't hear any of that you know i didn't get that vibe from the leaders of 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 you know it was a lot of we must you know, the two parties are bad and they don't look after people and they, they're bad. And there they're was a lot of anti-capitalist sentiment, but it wasn't unanimous. Uh, yeah, and that's and, what it needs to be. It needs to be a coherent message. It, it, it felt to me like another, that it, it might end up, I, I was scared when I watched the whole thing, when I assessed the whole thing, I'm scared it's going to end up being another Green Party. I don't uh, think it's just going to come a, close a, to being another Green Party, but I think well, that, that the, not, the, the, hold on, the, the, um, the, the thing that was expressed to me, the biggest criticism that I've seen that I was like, well, that sets off a red flag. I, I heard, well, what if they just end up becoming the neo-neolibs? And and that's like well you know that's actually possible because if if, if what you're talking about with they're not one hundred percent anti-capitalist they're just mostly anti-capitalist um, there is a risk a real risk that they could end up going down that path now to counterbalance that out let me let me get the scales of justice out and tip them the other way here remember what I was just talking about a minute ago was we have to amass more capital than the other guys. And, and I don't think anybody would call Bernie Sanders a capitalist for going out and saying, I am now coming to you and asking for $26 again. You know, that, yeah. you know he's asking for money, but is that really capitalist? And, and I'm, I'm saying we all need more money over here, right? We no, all that, need a higher minimum wage, we, et cetera. I don't think you can just come out at, and right off the bat say, "Hey, you know what? Fuck all the capitalism." Um, I think you have, no, 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 no. To, have to say, "Let's Acquiring raise the minimum wage. Let's having, give people health care, etc." That's all kind of, in a way, capitalist. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. You, that so uh, no, you, you, it's like 
let me uh, clarify. Amassing control over economic power is different from being a capitalist or, yes. or, or whatever and not being an anti-capitalist or whatever. We definitely need to, in this new party, if, if it's going to be the thing that I want it to be or whatever, it needs to control and have be able to exercise power over a big chunk of capital. That does not necessarily mean they need to have money in their bank account and to compare with you know the other parties or whatever. Because if that's the metric, we will never win. We they will no, always that, always have more money than us. Not necessarily. I, there are, there are two ways that I know how to get there, and I'm saving them for later episodes. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll do that. But my thing of of being under my fear with them, if I assess the whole convention, was I don't want them to become a none of the above party. That that a broad vibe that I got was a none of the above. That basically we don't not, neither of the two parties are looking after us, so we we've got this alternative. Just everybody that wants everybody that's that's tired of the and and this is I I heard this line repeated over and over again. Everybody's that's sick of the two party system. Everybody that's sick of the two parties. Everybody's sick of the two party system. Everybody, and and like I said, I want to bring it back to the thing I mentioned earlier. It's not necessarily because we have a two-party system or only two parties or whatever that the that the problem we are having the problems that we are. We could have five capitalist parties. We could have you know seven capitalist parties. It doesn't. It's not because of the number of parties that we have. It's not. It's not just that you need just have an alternative for the sake of having an alternative and that will solve the problem. No. We need to explicitly be anti-capitalist, and and uh, and I mean explicitly anti-capitalist, and be rooted in the labor movement and and the working class, because that is what we're going to. Uh, that is the the thing, the meat that we're going to take forward. Um, we're going to go and take this fight. To capital and, uh, and 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 you know on on the electoral side as well gonna, as you know the other things that a, we do. Let me give you just a little preview of of what I want to talk about on a future episode. But I think I think that you could make the People's Party's message palatable to capitalists, which right now is a large segment of this society, whether we like it or not and achieve the labor goal at the same time. How? Co-ops. And I'm just going to leave it at that. If somebody wants to go look up co-op. We'll, 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 we can, yeah, we, we'll definitely discuss it further. Right. And, and I'll have thoughts on um, Switch on over that. to your topic, all right? Uh, so I think we, this is something as well that I think we, we should definitely do a deep dive on because I found a, 
a very, very interesting paper that I think is quite relevant to some of the, the, the talking points and some of the debates that we have these days and the kind of broad culture of politics that we have right now, um, especially in our favorite, favorite most real-life space in more real than real life, which is Twitter. And uh, <laughs> what got me thinking about it was, uh, I don't know if we want to name it, but they, to paraphrase this particular account um, and got a lot of retweets and, and likes and, and things, you know, a, a left uh, account that um, said something like, leftists are fantasizing about a re revolution so much that they might allow accidentally allow fascism. Uh, this is the kind of uh, line that's thrown to at um, leftists from liberals a lot. Uh, your purity and your this and your that and and whatever because you want a revolution, uh, you're going to allow fascism. And I I had a look at this paper. It's a paper, it's a thesis, dissertation and thesis um, from 1993. It's anti-Bolshevism and the advent of Mussolini and Hitler, Anglo-American diplomatic perceptions, 1922 to 1933, by Lisa K. Walker, Portland State University. So that's the citation. Here's an extract that I wanted to read out. In their struggle to gain foreign support, and by there, it's the Italian fascists, Mussolini. In their struggle to gain foreign support, acceptance, and funds for the existing regime, they found it convenient to remind their benefactors of an enemy within, a dangerous, out-of-control political movement that could crush the existing system, which, whatever its disadvantages, was at least nominally Republican and provided a good atmosphere for international investment. <laughs> okay, I can see where this is headed. Keep going. So, first off, you know, a New York Times asked <laughs> freaking line where described and the Mussolini's fascist government as. Whatever is disadvantages, sure, it has some disadvantages, <laughs> but at least we can do business there and we can invest. And How it, many, at least <laughs> it's got to be all over the world right now. They're talking about Trump the same way. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, uh, and when they uh, and the next part deals with um, Germany, the idea of a group of fascists. Imitating Mussolini in Germany could hardly strike fear into the hearts of the British and the Americans, for Mussolini himself had also provided a good atmosphere for international investment. When fascism was when fascism was rampant in, in Italy, it had been established in Italy by Mussolini. And the Nazis were, were rising to power. The Germans and the British, 
their response was, oh, sounds good. We, you know, we, we're doing good business with the Italians. What could go wrong in the, uh, if, they, if they have similar fascists in, in Germany? What could possibly go wrong? We'll, we'll do business with them. Here's what they really didn't like. Well, in fact, before you proceed, I will yeah. point out that the Americans, in fact, did tons of business with yes. Nazi Germany. Yeah. Um, if you go back far enough, Bayer uh, had, had ties to the Nazis. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Bush family, if you go back to, you know, they, they married into the Prescotts. The Prescotts had all kinds of dealings with the Nazis. So this is all historically based. But by all means, please keep going. Yeah. So to finish this extract, I want to say. So remember how they how blase they are about, you know, rampaging fascism. Um, and the next paragraph says, but the notion of the triumph of Bolshevism was another matter. The Bolsheviks were destroyers of capitalist economies, repudiators of debts, and sworn enemies of the business ideology and status quo that the British and Americans openly espoused. Repudiators of debts? Well, we oh, can't no. have that. No, no, it's not like America was founded by people trying to escape debts. <laughs> so when we talk about who's going to allow fascism and who's going to, you know, accidentally or whatever, or, you know, on purpose or, or, or whatever, going to allow fascism, they actively chose fascism because they did not want the Bolsheviks, they were scared of the Bolsheviks taking over and not paying their debts. <laughs> it's, it, I, I just, when I, when I read that and then I thought back to that tweet of, well, it's you leftists wanting a revolution that are going to allow fascism. They're like, are you telling on yourself there, mate? Are you, are you telling me that you're so scared of, of a possible Bolshevik revolution that you're going to allow fascism and lean into fascism <laughs> instead? But that's, oh, my God, um, what have we come to here? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, something that I wanted to uh, think. There, there, there are fantastic quotes in this um, um in this uh, in this thing, and I wanted to hear something that I want to um, uh, I, I wanted to mention the context of uh, of where where things were in um, in the thirties and the, and the twenties. How how they allowed fashion, and I want you to think about. Uh, whether uh, this sounds familiar or anything like that, or you know anything we should be worried about or anything. <laughs> this is uh, talking about the status quo that they were trying to pr protect from the uh, from the Bolsheviks. This move to financially oriented diplomacy set the tone for American diplomacy for this entire period. Diplomats, bankers, and businessmen worked towards the same goals, sharing a common set of assumptions concerning the inseparability of American economic progress 
and world peace. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound familiar at all. I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> the bankers and the diplomats and the businessmen all decided they're all in agreement that, you know, making money for America and American business and American banks is equal to peace. And uh, the only way to get peace is for American businesses to make money. <laughs> now, I, I, am, I am not a religious man, but I, I have uh, a lot of, uh, I have a religious upbringing, right? So there are certain things that stick in your mind with that. I, I want to say that there is this quote, and correct me if I'm wrong, something along the lines of, uh, the root of all evil is the love of money. <laughs> I believe that was Jesus. Um, just throwing that out there. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it, we, when we do a deep dive. There's a lot more that I wanted to. Uh, there's a lot of very very interesting. Um, uh, there's a lot of very very interesting tidbits in this. Um, uh, <laughs> in this piece. And uh, I hate that, that where we're coming down to, just to connect these two segments, we're, we're, at least where I'm coming down is you have to fight fire with fire because we need more money than, than they have so that we have more power than they have. But that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. There's another, another quote that I'll give you. Political uncertainty was, were anathema to the complex network of high finance and big business. American policy supported stability where it could be found in regimes ranging from Germany's moderate Weimar Republic to right-wing di dictatorships such as Mussolini's fascist Italy. Whatever the flaws of these regimes, yeah, sure, fascism has some flaws, but, you know, whatever the flaws. Whatever yeah. the flaws, it meant we were rolling in money, right? Yeah. Whatever the flaws of these regimes, they were infinitely preferable. Infinitely preferable. Infinitely preferable to the frightening new alternative of revolutionary communism. <laughs> it, only infinitely preferable to the, the bankers and the... The people with a ton of I money. finance and big business. Yeah. Um, so they decided that it was all about high finance and big business. And so therefore, whatever fascism had, whatever flaws fascism had, it was infinitely preferable to communism. <laughs> the couple more bits I wanted to, to mention. Um, um, various other factors were important in developing the Anglo-American view of Nazism as related to Bolshevism. These included the almost obsessive intensity of anti-Bolshevism in the United States and Great Britain throughout the interwar period. The close association of Bolshevism with economic chaos in the minds of Anglo-American leaders and with a concomitant tendency to see Bolshevism developing wherever economic chaos occurred in Europe. And 
the strong admiration for Mussolini's Italy in both Britain and the United States, which precluded possibilities of seeing much in common between Italian fascism and Nazism during this period. They absolutely could not believe that the Nazis were fascists and of the same ilk because they had such a good time in, in Italy and such a good business environment in, um, in Italy. And um, why, you might ask, would anybody of any kind of right mind have high admiration for, um, for Mussolini and Mussolini's Italy and, and the Italian fascists? Well, within weeks of the March on Rome, Mussolini told the American ambassador that Italy would be privatizing its utilities and railways and that Americans would be included in the opportunities this change offered. Do you want to do the third segment, or uh, you you got to? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, for the last segment, this probably won't go very long, but we're just gonna uh, riff on on um, this upcoming presidential debate. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a couple of things that that we can that that I want to pull out of. Um, First uh, thing, how disappointed are you that we're not having a sons debate? A what debate? A sons debate. <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. versus Hunter Biden would have been the greatest <laughs> debate of all time. <laughs> that's that's um, wow. Which one of them would be more cranked up out of their minds for that? I don't know. Honestly, I think I, I don't know, but my I'll, I'll, if it ever happens, I'll make a prediction right now that Hunter Biden will wipe the floor with Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> Listen to this from um, from Joe Biden. Okay, this is in the Daily Mail. Joe Biden insists Donald Trump is not that smart and doesn't know many facts ahead of <laughs> Tuesday's first debate, and says the president will resort to personal attacks because it's the only thing he knows. I kind of remember this from, you know, four years ago. You know what, Joe Biden, you're right. Donald Trump is not a very smart man, and he will resort to personal attacks, which will be quite effective uh, because yeah. people are going to that. Please don't be a whiny lib. Like, we... <laughs> One thing... One thing about Joe Biden is he's not a he's kind of a cranky old man and and you know come on man <laughs> right that's that's his answer to everything is come on man clap clap for that you stupid bastards <laughs> did you hear that one oh yeah I've I've heard them all man like I've I've heard don't vote for but me you, you know he he's not um. Every, every lib that's advising him and every one of his consultants and every Democrat uh, is a whiny lib. 
and is gonna oh, he's done he's not doing any facts and 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 he he's gonna do ad hominems and and logical fallacies and and and, and whatever. nobody gives a shit mate <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the sad truth. It, it is uh, nobody gives a shit. Just don't be a whiny. <laughs> don't be a whiny. I can remember in in two thousand. It was the first year that I got to vote for the, the uh, at all for, for the presidency. Um, and George Bush and Al Gore uh, are going at it. So Bush is given this answer. And Al Gore gets up off of his stool. I think he's just like shifting himself or like trying to stand up or whatever. And Bush looks over at him like, "What? You standing up?" Like he just he gives him this look, like this very this really Texas look, like, <laughs> like and and everybody sees this because Bush is just he pauses just to give the look. And Al Gore looks at him like, "Oh, uh, uh, uh. and and Bush goes back to talking and looks at him. While he's talking, he looks at Gore like, eh. and then he just goes back to what he said. And it was it was the most talked about thing for like two weeks. Alpha like, posture, gorilla mindset, baby. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it didn't matter what Bush was saying; he could have been talking about the you know whatever, just to make something up. But it was how he was acting that got people to respect him. Um, and, you know, honestly. Whatever, look, Hillary Clinton was the same. Al Gore, you know, she was Al Gore, right? She was all, she had all the right, you know, words and blah, 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 and all the, you know, string them together in nice, coherent yeah. sentences. And yeah, and then like Donald that. Trump. And then Trump will come wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. And honestly, nobody cares or remembers anything that Hillary Clinton said. What all anybody remembers is wrong. <laughs> I tell you what, the one thing that that could save Biden, if but he's he's too old to do it. He's he's, he's he doesn't have like Biden's level of familiarity with te technology at this point is while he's talking on a phone into a camera, he starts <laughs> wandering away from the camera while he's talking into the phone. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have the technological expertise. But if you had a candidate who was up there with a phone and and could just start pulling out Donald Trump quotes, you know, if if you could be, able, if 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 Trump starts saying, "Oh well, I uh, I really support uh, the environment," or you know, I'm 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 gonna try to to help all the black people, you know, if he tries to say anything that's obviously false, you could just pull out the phone and bring up a Donald Trump quote and stick it up to the mic, you know. If somebody was smart uh, enough to pull some of that off, that, honestly, that would be exactly that kind that, of thing. That, would work. that honestly, again, that's going back to the let's own him with facts kind of. No, but it's all uh, it's swagger. Thing. It's the swagger. It's, it's yeah, never done no, uh, that, that's not swagger, though. Owning him with facts, doing a fact check and, and whatever, even if you're doing it not verbally, but like with the actual clip or, or whatever, is all, is, is all, is all nerd shit. And uh, and nobody cares. Joe Biden will do well if he bees the belligerent, cranky, angry, dumbass, brain dead, you know, guy uh, that he has been in various public experiences and and you debates. You think he'll do well like if that. he does that? Yeah, that that 
that that honestly, honestly, it's this is a vibes election, and he needs to have the general vibe of shut up, man, come on, man. What are you talking you think about? That'll work. That's yeah, not yeah, work. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, tra- I, I'm on the other side. Totally other side. The only that. he needs to, um, and because the only way um, you're going to own Trump, you're not going to, you know, be able to fact check him. Nobody cares about fact checks. You're not going to be able to, um, you know, buy your logic him or any nonsense like that, and and whatever. Nobody cares about any policies or, or, or whatever. They're both going to lie about everything because Joe Biden's a, a, a liar. Trump's a liar. They're both liars. Nobody, you know, is going to care about anything they say about policy or anything because, you know, Joe, Donald Trump is, he, he doesn't know any policy anyway and makes his mind up about what he's doing every five seconds. And uh, changes his mind every five seconds, so it doesn't really matter what he says. And Joe Biden doesn't remember any what he stands for, or what's in his what's in his platform, or whatever. And it won't matter because he won't remember it when he's president. And um, so, ultimately, it will come down to a vibes performance. And yeah. the thing that has gotten Trump ahead. Uh, you know what what helped him win the republican nomination and what you know why he basically steamrolled hillary clinton was he is a belligerent bull in a china shop he just goes says whatever the fuck he wants and just doesn't care just keeps going and just moves on to the next thing and doesn't care if you say oh that's not right or whatever doesn't go yeah it's whatever and, and like doesn't care and just moves on. Just has this unearned confidence and, and whatever. And he gives the vibe to his people that look at our guy is strong and he just like, you know, he's he's telling it like it is and blah blah blah. Because the the media has dumbed our electorate down to such a state. Nobody actually knows anything. Well, that's you know, the truth. It's, and and uh, part of that's the media, and part of that is the government itself. It, yeah, you know, we, exactly. we don't have civics courses in the United States anymore. It's not even. Yeah, we don't have civics courses. None of the especially the last like you know twenty thirty years or whatever. Um, and the government hasn't actually done anything for people. You know, really, in a meaningful way or whatever. You know, the Obama administration, even the good things that they did, they tried to hide it, never took credit for any of this stuff. Remember, they hid the. Um, the, instead of giving a giving a stimulus and giving like you know checks or whatever cash for people, they hid it in a payroll tax um, deduction or something, and um, and nobody noticed. And then the next year, you know, the the credit expired, and everybody just thought that Obama raised their taxes. What? Yeah, <laughs> and nobody, nobody, nobody knows. Get me started nobody on that, that's that'll be a good yeah. one for another show. And so that's what I'm saying. Just if he's gonna, he needs to not listen to his his stupid lib uh, consultants and not try and be all like eh, whiny and and well, he needs to just be Joe Biden and be the the platform that he's supposed to be. I do think there's some. He needs low- to be that Joe Biden. There is some, some low-hanging fruit you could hint Trump with, though. Like, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that, that, like, just on the basic things that a president ought to know, I, I think there are things that Trump 
after having been president for four years, still doesn't know. And if you were to ask the right the, a couple of questions, uh, he would he would just be stumped. He'd be like, "Well, I don't, I, I, you know," or he would, he would either say he doesn't know, or he would just say something completely wrong, so wrong that even the most basic viewer would be like, "Well, that's wrong." Um, yeah. I, I think you can hit him with a couple of, of those, but well, here, that, that takes us to our, our last thing. All right. Yeah. So questions that will not be asked <laughs> at, at the debate. Um, all right. I, I'll, I'll get us started. Um, which one of you has the least severe case of dementia? <laughs> you know, that would be that would be amazing. Um, I would ask, I would ask <laughs> Mr. Joe Biden. The president said, "You get you get a shot in your ass." <laughs> Whatever the quote was, the most hilarious thing ever. You get they shoot him in the ass with with something. I would ask. Uh, Mr. Vice President, what drugs have you been given today? <laughs> and <then I'll... laughs> oh, you know that that true. that's funny, but that's like that, that. If you watch him in the debates with Bernie, like the, the he guy, was definitely cranked up. He was yeah. definitely cranked up. That hundred percent, he was cranked up. There, and, there's uh, no other explanation how you can go yeah. from sleepy old man falling asleep on the camera on those. Mm -hmm. stupid live streams where like 40 people are watching him he's just like passing out or like mm -hmm. even when he's on cnn he's like half brain dead he forgets his train of thought just today he forgot what he was talking about the anchor had to remind <laughs> him uh and, and in two days though he's gonna be like hey jack like he's gonna be up there like you know cranked up that's, out that's all he needs to do he, they need to they, he can say it doesn't really matter what he says he, he needs to make word shape noises out of his mouth and you know throw a couple of buzzwords out there you know soul and the decency and blah 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 his 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 nonsense brand strap lines or whatever and just be strong and and aggressive and and just give off that vibe and that is going to turn out his people and in, enough people and whatever because this is not Nobody, it doesn't really matter about persuading anybody or, or convincing anybody that at this point. Um, nobody's, right. Nobody who's, who's going to be watching the debate hasn't already made up their mind, basically. Oh, that's correct. Absolutely. There are no undecided voters left. Yeah. And uh, the, the only people who are undecided are, are people who are undecided whether or not to turn out at all and vote for you know there might be there might be you know weirdo right-wing libertarians and whatever who who might think like ah, i can't bother to not turn out for um for, for trump uh or some kind of conservatives or whatever who might be deciding you know between a no-show and, and a vote for trump um right. so here's and, another one i would say on the other side here's one i'll ask biden uh uh vice president biden is your campaign script loosely based on the script to Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, what would I ask? What would I ask? Uh, 
Trump. Who, who's the, who's doing it? It's Chris Wallace, right? Yeah, from Fox? Chris Wallace from Fox. Um, if I was... Uh... <laughs> Here's one Chris Wallace can ask. Out of all of the Fox News anchors, do you <laughs> like me the best? <laughs> it's um, it's not going to be something. If it, um, uh, this is what it would be if uh, if, it, if it was Sean Hannity, um, which Chris, which <laughs> which Fox News host would you rather bang? And um, <laughs> and um, you know. Trump's the weirdest guy when it comes to talking about any kind of sex or whatever. <laughs> he was just like, I wanted to kiss her, and then I took her shopping for furniture. <laughs> and it's like, the dude, when he talks about sex, sounds like a guy from Four Year Old Virgin. President Trump, fuck, marry, kill. <laughs> Rachel Maddow, Lou Dobbs, Sean Hannity. Go. <laughs> I would marry Ludo. Uh, no, you're not supposed to answer the question. Come on. <laughs> we might as well. I would definitely marry Lou Dobbs. He's absolutely mental, and but he's a billion years old and uh most likely very rich and so i could probably you know luck out with some nice uh, but if you were to marry sean hannity you would effectively be the shadow president <sighs> marrying sean hannity would be very very annoying because he he's the kind of dumb person that's not funny Oh yeah, that's... he he's he's dumb, but also dull, and and you you just you know you just find him irritating, and uh, I I would find him irritating. I could this, not marry. This him. really is leading me to want to ask why you think Lou Dobbs is entertaining at all. But I'm gonna leave it. Let's <laughs> do, do we have any more questions before we get Lou down? Lou Dobbs or... is mental. This he is has a really no idea weird what he's talking about. Anytime he just he comes out with the most random shit. I've seen clips of him, and he just comes out with those most mental random shit. He just today, him and his his crazy guest was um some some Christian one of those like you know nut job pastors or whatever, and he was like something about. The the police are something agents of God or something, and you know <laughs> something, something. Here's a question I think might actually get asked. Um, President Trump, you you recently said that you would like to send people to jail for burning the flag. Are you serious? I think that that might actually be a real topic. They might actually discuss something so completely trivial mundane and obviously unconstitutional yeah. that would never make it past even the most conservative Supreme Court. A complete non-issue. I think that kind of shit will be asked left and right. Yeah, that's true. And especially because it's a, it's, it's a right-wing host and, you know, it's two fairly 
you know, one it, full Look at it this way. One... If Trump backtracks, he looks weak, right? So, of course, yeah. he's going to say, sure, I believe what I said. And and you know what, what the conservatives' reaction to that is going to be? Well, who cares? He can think that if he wants to. It'll never happen anyway. Or, good, I agree with him. He wins yeah, either way. That's exactly what he's going to do. He's going he's gonna to say, yeah, hell yeah, I want, I want that. And the nerd uh, moderator is going to be like, Arthur, you know, this is, you know, uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, and he'll, he'll barge in and he'll be like, well, when we get our Amy Barrett or whoever onto the, the court, um, and we're going to win. We're going to win that. We're going to win on that. And we're going to win on everything else, just like we've been winning. For the it record, it's a horrible bullshit. pick, but I'm not going to get into why. That, that would be a whole different show. Yeah. But, you know, it, it doesn't make any difference. It, I don't care. If I, think she's, I think she's amazing. She's, uh, she's hot. She's go, <laughs> go, go, go power. <laughs> oh, my. More female fascists. Yeah, definitely. I think that that would be, you know, and we can't uh, abide the anti-Catholic bigotry that's going on in this country. You know, we 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 must make sure that we have one hundred percent Catholics on the um, on the Supreme Court. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. You got any more uh, funny questions for the the presidents? I think I'm. About that. No, I think um, uh, I would I would seriously um, uh, just out of curiosity, I would ask Joe Biden why he kisses his granddaughter on his on her mouth. Oh, there's a good one. Because <laughs> that's just like. Uh... <laughs> I, I I wonder. You know, it's Chris Wallace. Uh, hosting the debate, do you think they'll bring up Tara Reid at all? Um, I don't think so. I it's think they're gonna they're gonna bring up they're gonna bring up the approved scandals. Uh, they're gonna bring up China. They're gonna bring up um, you know Ukraine, whatever Gazprom. No, not Gazprom. Well, Burisma or whatever. They're they're gonna bring up those. Those okay. things. And then they're gonna have a yelling match about who 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 hates communism and and the Reds more and um, and stuff like that. Yeah, Burisma is gonna be interesting because you would think Joe Biden would be really prepared about that, but I think he's just gonna respond on something like, "How dare you bring up my kid?" That's that's the tactic. Yeah, and he's take. gonna be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Everything's fine, you know. My son didn't do anything wrong. I don't know anything about it. He's gonna be all like that. He's gonna. That's his been in his answers so far. So he's probably gonna just do that. Um, They'll probably bring up the impeachment. I think Trump is Trump will bring it up himself uh, in the Burisma question because he's gonna say, you know, well, you tried to impeach. No, me. I think impeachment will be brought up because Joe Biden will will go. One of the first things Joe Biden will say is like, you know, you. Uh, you messed up on coronavirus or whatever, and he's Joe Biden, and Trump's going to be like, "Well, you know, you guys screwed around with the impeachment. It's your fault." Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we uh, I, uh, and I think we are heading up on uh, probably time. 
So we probably it's been excellent. Like, it's been it's been real. This is the greatest podcast to ever have been recorded. Best um, of all time, obviously. Yes, I I still maintain the commitment to never go pro. Um, you, amateur you know, forever. It, we're both at poor as hell, so don't do that. Because if they <laughs> if they get picked up, you're gonna change your tune. And uh, I I don't have that tune to begin with because <laughs> as as a poor person. Uh, this is not grift. This is this is me needing money. Uh, yes. And, and uh, yeah, I, if you're listening, Shell, um, you know, um, you sponsored sixteen nineteen or whoever. Uh, <laughs> please, we're very willing to sell out. Ah, uh, <laughs> I might settle for a Patreon, but we'll see. All right. <laughs> Signing off for the day, this has been News Riot with Guillotine and Newsbox. If you want to follow myself, I am at all I do is call BS on Twitter. And for Newsmarks, I am uh, at extra high marks. That's it, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Ciao.